You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Hello, and welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we've got something special for you guys today. Yeah, we do. Something we've never done before. Nope. And it all has to do with an upcoming anniversary we have. Mm -hmm. But basically, we are taking a look at our top 10 episodes from the past year, all because of you guys and all of your patronage and listenership. And we're going to do some trivia. Yeah, top 10 trivia. Woo! So we're going to test not only our own knowledge of things we've researched, but we also want to kind of test your guys' knowledge too. (laughs) So we were hoping that maybe you guys would want to follow along with this little trivia game show thing we're going to have going on here on Into the Portal. Mm -hmm. And if you keep your tally and send us a little picture of yourself doing it or video or whatever the hell you want to do, we'll hook you up with some stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're very curious to see if you guys actually remember more than we do when it comes to our (laughs) episodes. (laughs) Being well over 100 episodes now, it's actually pretty hilarious when we started writing some of this stuff where we were like... Yeah, I can't remember some of this. I can't remember what happened you, in Baikal. I can't remember what happened here or there or wherever. Like when you were doing the questions, you mean? When I was just looking over episodes, I was like, uh, what happened to Cambyses again? Because <laughs> just so everyone is clear on this, we are going to be doing one episode per person. So I'm interviewing <laughs> or interviewing. <laughs> questioning. Yes. You're in the interrogation room. I feel like I am. <laughs> Into the portal's interrogation. Uh, <laughs> so I'll be doing the 10th spot. Andrew will be doing the 9th spot. Mm-hmm. And every week we're just going to go up the list. So until we get to the top episode of the year, yeah. we're going to keep you guys guessing too. So uh, follow along. And it is, I guess, uh, oh, what do, you, what, do we, what do you call it? Um, we, we have no way of policing this, so it is... The honor system, It so is to speak. the honor system. It is, indeed. That's the one that is kind of rare these days. I mean, if someone really <laughs> wanted to go back and listen from beginning to end episodes that we're doing trivia for and write their answers down, then you know what? That's due diligence, and we'll give you some stuff for that, too. Mm-hmm. But I think, honestly, uh, I, I, I have a, a good feeling that people are going to remember a lot about our episodes. So I'm curious to see if you guys... Uh, well, what the, what the tally is on a on a questionnaire here. I'm curious to know how much you remember. Yeah, me too. Or just to find out how much you remember. So we're gonna start with round one, number ten on the docket here. None other than the infamous story of Charlotte Brown abducted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So those of you who are unfamiliar with this subject, you can uh, always go back and listen to our full episode. It's called "Abducted: The Story of Charlotte Brown." And then you can listen along and uh, try your hand at uh, some trivia here. So Charlotte Brown, (laughs) I guess my first question before we even get started is, uh, do you remember this episode? Any impressions? Yeah, so I, I, of course, I remember the episode and I, I remember definitely bits and pieces about Charlotte Brown and her original story. 
The thing is, is like, I need things to jog my memory. So I'm, I'm hoping that some of your questions will help with that because I definitely don't, right off the top of my head, I'm not remembering the details of Charlotte's abduction or abductions, if I'm correct. But let's, uh, mm-hmm. I, we'll, we'll, we'll see how I do here. Yes. Okay. So before I go ahead and ask the first question, um, just to jog everyone's memory a bit, this was actually a Canadian story. And the basis for most of the research was from a episode of CBC's Morning Star. And uh, it was an interview with Charlotte Brown, right. also an alias, not her real name. And yeah, we just kind of uh, unraveled the story from there. So, uh, Charlotte Brown was a young woman when this initially took place. I'm not going to say her age, not going to give anything away. Um, But I am going to ask you, Andrew, do you remember when her initial abduction took place? And bonus point for correct location. Okay, so good question. (laughs) So I do do remember that she was quite young during this first encounter. I want to say that it I want to say she was nine years old and that it happened outside of school on the way to school and or, oh man, I think I'm misremembering that though. Mm-hmm. I'm almost remembering that it's nighttime in her bedroom. I'm going to say nine years old and nighttime at her house. I'm thinking year though. Do oh, you remember the decade? The decade. And do you remember the location? 19... Because I don't really care how old she is. <laughs> right. Okay. 1977? I'm guessing. A <laughs> couple decades off there. Oh my God. Are you serious? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let's and just scratch me off at zero for that first question. Well, and uh, location. Any, any yes. stabs at it East there? coast of Canada. <sighs> you have to get at least the province. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> On both accounts. Pathetic. Yeah. So you said 1977. The correct answer is 1947. And it's in wow. Muskoka, Ontario. Yes, that was the initial abduction. 47? You wow, were... Wow, same year as, like, Kenneth Arnold's stuff. Very similar, yeah. Very close in the time frame there. Interesting, okay. You All were right. very... Um, you're right about the... I don't know, the time of day, I guess. It was at night. Okay, <laughs> kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. All right, so All we right. got All right. no bonus points and a big old X for question <laughs> one. All right, question two. Charlotte had a very intimate encounter with beings that she discovered in a nearby field next to her home. What did the, quote, aliens do to Charlotte in that initial encounter? There's five things that she described in the episode that we kind of listed off. If you can get any one of the five or all five, you have a chance to get five points. Okay. So go back to that initial in the farmhouse it's late at night do you remember any of the specifics i'm really digging deep in my memory banks here <laughs> i know i had to too and i was like damn i, don't I, remember this I just it's it's the i think the tough thing about this for me is because it's an abduction case and obviously we haven't covered a ton of ufo stuff but mm-hmm. we've read a million ufo things and i'm my brain is being flooded with ufo stuff right now so all right well uh, give me give me your best guess okay so anything at all the one thing i remember is that they communicate with her i believe telepathically so there's no like they're they're not talking to her Mm -hmm. she ends up on a table but but doesn't want to like they convince her to go into the ship they like they they force her telepathically to go 
Hmm. And then she ends up, I'm remembering something to do with an ironing board. Maybe that was just the shape of the table she ends up laying on. Mm -hmm. And then is examined on a table. So spoken to telepathically, examined on a table. Um, Oh, man. Um, That's all I got. I cannot remember the rest. I I, I don't remember the questions she asked. You kind of got three out of five. They also actually took scrapings from her arm. And they also inserted a long needle-like probe at her navel. And all this was while she was forced telepathically against her will to cooperate. Yikes. All right, I'll give you a couple for that. <laughs> You're not getting the full five. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't give myself anywhere close to the full five of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, question three here, and we're just going to get harder and harder, just oh, so you know. God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so there was one other thing that the alien beings left with Charlotte, something that remained inside of her for a number of years only to be violently emitted one day mm-hmm. what was that object okay I, I can't remember exactly what it was but it was something like a small piece of metal i remember she ended up keeping it in her bedside drawer for years and years that her kids played with it or something like that and then it ended up going missing mm-hmm. it was some sort of a tracking device it was like a metal object that's a metal my guess. object okay i'll give it to you she's described it as like a metal burr a burr okay Metal burr. Yes, I got one. one I legitimately burr. got one. Yes. Do you remember... Sorry, did you say how she lost it? Oh, she she sneezed it out, I think. Okay, yeah, both points. Yes, out. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to question four. Physicist slash ufologist Stanton Friedman acknowledged that Charlotte's story closely paralleled many other abduction stories. Most obvious was the description of the alien beings how did charlotte describe them automatically my brain goes to one very specific type of extraterrestrial creature and i'm remembering the grays i'm remembering mm-hmm. skinny gray big eyes big heads mm-hmm. classic grays anything particular in their stature or size i for some reason, I want to say that they were actually smaller in Charlotte's account. Like, they were short rather than these tall, towering greys. Exactly. Okay, nice. Yep, you got that one. Yes. So, less Slenderman-like, uh, able to fit into a small craft. Okay. Yes. Uh, fun fact here, actually, the most common of all sightings uh, and abduction beings are the greys. According to a 1995 book revised in 2005, Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, around 43% of all reported alien encounters in the U.S. describe these alien greys. And I'd just like to point out here, as a fun side note in this trivia episode, that that fact is pretty strange and fascinating in the context of people who believe that this is just sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Because if everyone's having the same thing, sleep paralysis, you're not going to see the exact same creature. It's not going to be described exactly the same way. People read different books, different influences, different movies, different stuff. It's not going to be the same. That's weird. That's where it's kind of like, yeah, you can almost argue both ways because if something is so similar and is being experienced broadly if it's something that's in the cultural zeitgeist you can explain it as that kind of you know like everyone it's in the canon everyone's familiar however you can also argue that a lot of people either a had no interest in aliens or ufos or anything 
or have very limited knowledge and aren't the type of buffs to go and rent a bunch of UFO videos. But anyways, uh, for this next one, question five, I've got a little bit more of like generalized to the area. Okay. Questions. So the Muskokas in Ontario have been notorious for UFO sightings in recent and distant memory. In 2008, there was a record number of sightings. So it's true or false. True or false, there was a total of more than 1,000 sightings in the area, a whopping 25% increase from the year before. In 2008. In 2008. I'm going to... That's a big number. I'm going to say true. You are correct. Yes. And fun fact here, um, Ontario and British Columbia were the hotspots of that year. And Prince Edward Island only had two mysterious objects flying about. <laughs> well, none of it in the Northwest Territories reported none. <laughs> that we know of. It's kind of similar to Corona. Right. <laughs> Actually, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> I think, that, yeah, there's a couple. Uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyways. Okay. Number six here. We looked at a few prominent researchers in the field of ufology for this episode, including Wyoming psychologist Dr. Leo Sprinkle, whose interest in the alien abduction phenomena began in the late 1960s. He is a sympathizer to and an eventual believer in the abductee story. Uh, Dr. Sprinkle went on to hold annual conferences on the topic, eventually claiming to have his own abduction experiences in childhood. Uh, claims that actually eventually led to his dismissal at the University of Wyoming. Hmm. So true or false? Dr. Sprinkle is also responsible for first suggesting the possible link between cattle mutilations and abductions. I'm going to say I. it feels like it's true, <laughs> but I, I feel like I, I just my my heart is telling me that it was actually someone else. Uh, I, I don't know why. I'm going to say false. <laughs> ah. right. I don't know why I was thinking like. I don't know why, for some reason, totally random and completely unrelated in a way, but J. Allen Hynek popped into my head for the whole swamp gas thing. Mm-hmm. But I know there's been, there were other names for people who aren't like super adept. I would throw out a different name for swamp gas potentially, but it was him. Oh, okay. so I thought it was maybe someone else, but okay. Anyway. Yeah, Sprinkle. I, I actually didn't know that. I was looking into, uh, into our notes again. Well, I didn't know, didn't remember. So I have another one on Sprinkle too. This is an A and B. Sprinkle it on me. So, true or false, Dr. Sprinkle is also involved in the Skinwalker Ranch investigations. That's a good question. Sprinkle boy. Is he sprinkling the research all over the place here? I'm going to say true. True. Yes. That's right. Another point for you there. (laughs) He's racking them up. All right. Am I? (laughs) Kind of. All right. I don't know. I was not not doing that bad. Okay. Like, there's a few bonus points you missed. There's a few, it's a few a bonus points that I'm made up for the right regular now. points, though. Okay, so. all right. All right, number seven here. Dr. David, or sorry, he's not a doctor. Got <laughs> 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 ahead of myself there. He's sitting there like, yes, <laughs> I'm a doctor. Oh. Well, maybe he's a doctor now, and I'm not familiar with it. But <laughs> David M. Jacobs is another ufologist we touched on during this episode. Jacobs is actually a proponent of the alien hybrid slash invasion theory, citing many cases in his research that involved reproductive focuses in the abductions, as well as confirmed pregnancies only to discover unborn babies to disappear. So this is an A question here, A and B again. 
Actually, sorry, it's not an A and B. It's just an A. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. It's another true and false, though. <laughs> okay, so Jacobs was interviewed on Coast to Coast in 2008 by host George Knapp. The interview details his most recent research to date, revealing that Jacobs is more certain now than ever before that alien integration into human society has already begun. True or false? That I just I feel that that's true. Like he definitely would have said that on Coast to Coast. True. Yes, yes. that is correct. He is a proponent uh, that basically what we've it's almost like a, one of the main threads in our favorite show ever. X Files. Yeah, X Files. Yeah. <laughs> All I could see was Mulder's face in my head. I was like, <laughs> anyway, it's been a while since we've watched that one. It has. But that yeah. was a very prominent theme. The idea that. Uh, pregnancy, so women actually giving birth to alien-human hybrids that yeah. are then abducted themselves, or uh, just the idea that, yeah, like, humans are walking around that are actually, like, these super alien beings. I think that was the premise of a couple of the movies, too, wasn't it? Actually, the X-Files yeah. movies? Mm-hmm. They just sprinkled it in. <laughs> just like Leo Sprinkle. <laughs> oh, sprinkly boy. <laughs> Little sprinkly boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually quite a fascinating fellow. So let's get on to question number eight. Okay. Doo-doo-doo. I feel like we need the, like, the theme song for uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Well, we're just testing it out here, you guys. You, you might get some uh, some crazy uh, you know, sound effects moving forward <laughs> with this uh, trivia we'll, show. We'll sprinkle them in. We'll spr- God, that's just the pun of the day, eh? Okay. All right. Number eight. Psychology of the victims. Dot, dot, dot. In a Harvard study of abduction victims by psychologist Dr. McNally and team, there were five distinct similarities in the psychological makeup of abductees. This is a tough one. So there's five. If you can recall any of these, I will give you a point. So, like, as a result of them, like, believing they were abducted, so say for, like, I'll chuck, like, memory loss for, like, stuff like that. Would that count as one? Would that be one? Um, no. This is more like psychological similarities, not really resulting from their experience per se, but could have potentially because they were all studied afterwards, obviously. Gotcha. However, it's more so like generalized right. um, psychological okay. factors. And you actually already mentioned one. So sleep paralysis? That's one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like paranoia? Paranoid delusion? Um, Schizophrenia? No, actually. Um, They're a little bit more normal than that. Okay, like more commonplace. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But at the Depression, same time... stress? <laughs> actually, <laughs> like, think of that chick from Mars Attacks that's like all like, you know, exactly. Oh, she's sitting on her, um, on her car. Like the... <laughs> baked? <laughs> drug users? They're not drug users, <laughs> but they do have a lot of new age or non-mainstream alternative beliefs. Okay, so I'll... Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking a big fat zero for that, but I mean, I'm just checking out a million. You got one. You got sleep paralysis. Okay, I'll take one. And I think I forgot to write down. Actually, you got that other one right too. I need to give you a point for that. Okay, so the five here that I have: one, experiencing sleep paralysis or hallucinations upon awakening. So you got that one. Two, a tendency to recall false memories. Mm. Um, Example, like recalling things that have never happened, including words, items, sentences, experiences. Right. Okay. Three, high levels of absorption. Like this means they're prone to suggestibility. So fantasy prone, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fourth was one I already mentioned. New age slash non-mainstream alternative beliefs. 
And then five, this is probably the most obvious, familiarity with the cultural narrative of alien abduction. Oh, I'm an idiot. I should have. There is a note here, though. And this was a quote from the article um, as it was kind of, it was reviewed, not reviewed, but it was kind of synopsized in Psychology Today. Okay. And it says here, all of these studies of alien abductees in brackets here, your quotes, uh, were carried out after they had their abduction experiences. So it's difficult to know whether these five traits are consequences of the experience or were, as McNally suggests, factors that led individuals to interpret rather earthly experiences such as sleep paralysis or hallucinations as evidence of abduction. End right. Quote. So there's there's kind of like it's like it's the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Makes me want to cover some more UFO stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got two more questions for you. Okay. This is a fun one. It's an A, B, C, or D question. Okay. <laughs> so number nine, back to Charlotte Brown's story. Charlotte's first encounter took place in the late evening around 10, 10 p.m., according to her, and took place uh, over a period of how many hours? So A, 1, B, 3, C, 4, or D, 6. I am going to go with... C. Four hours? Yes. Four mm. hours. <sighs> B, three hours. Three hours. Okay. This pen doesn't right. work. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got one more question for y'all. Okay. Charlotte's next encounter occurred during the daytime. At age 15, Charlotte described how the being was much shorter than she was at approximately four foot three inches tall. Where... Did this encounter take place? So this one, as my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, was uh, I, I'm picturing outside of a fence, outside of school, like it's right outside of her school, elementary school, during the day. Yeah, by this time she was in, she was like 15, so she was okay, in like middle, middle, school middle school or high school. I don't know. Maybe they combine them like we do here. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're correct though. Yay. So you got one point there. Um, basically, it was after a half day of school. She was walking home. She recalls sighting the craft about 300 yards away from the original encounter. So kind of curious. It's like, wait a second. Is it traumatic memory kind of coming in? But apparently she described how she was beckoned into the craft yet again, but has since blanked out all that happened afterward. Interesting. Oh, Charlotte. And of course, the burr is nowhere to be found, so we can't study that or anything. I know. That was one of the things, too, when I was going into some of the details for this episode and some of the research and some... Because there was definitely... We brought in a lot of, like, more skeptical uh, approaches and analysis and... Yeah, a lot of, there was this one website in particular, a research team that was kind of trying to study um, evidence of abduction. So like objects that have, people say have been implanted in them. Yeah. And they were pretty scathing and they were saying how essentially all of their efforts were met with resistance from the abductees and that they were even met with such logics as, oh, well, the aliens are too smart ever to let the evidence fall into our hands and other such nonsensical things like that so i i remember that was something that i was kind of like oh i don't really i felt like charlotte was very genuine though in her story what did you make of that like from what you remember at least thinking back to the interview yeah she seemed to be one of the most genuine not to say that there's a scale of genuine disingenuine with abductees like everyone has their own sort of way of telling what happened to them but she definitely seemed to be like she had come to terms with it 
like doing that interview mm-hmm. and that it was something that had actually happened to her, a traumatic experience. But right. that's the thing. It's like we don't it always comes back to the idea of, yeah, sleep paralysis and these types of things. Like, did it actually happen? But then in that sense, too, mm-hmm. you could tie that in on a paranormal angle to the idea of UFOs and these types of abduction situations and, and encounters being uh, not otherworldly but interdimensional. And in that sense, sleep paralysis might not it's sort of tra- uh, it's 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 on a line between um like a you know a, a a real world description of what's happening sleep paralysis on the science side and like maybe something else like mm-hmm. you know what i mean crossing like, over into different realms yeah while you're yeah. asleep <laughs> yeah it's interesting because like yeah she definitely told her story to oh is it peter growski from cbc morningside uh, much later. So it was in the 80s. It was yeah. like 86. Which I think is why I thought 77 for some yeah. reason because of the interview. Yeah. Ah, and okay. it had that, that, that very like velvety, fuzzy sort of radio quality to yeah. it. Yeah. I interview. love listening to old stuff like that. Yeah. So that was 10? That was it. How did I do then? Okay. Let's add it up here. Hopefully I got them all. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. So you got 12 out of a possible... 16, 17. So 12 out of 17 possible points. Okay. It's not bad. Not too shabby. It's a passing grade. I think it's a B minus. I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) Are you ready to get quizzed? No, (laughs) not. (laughs) But this one, I hope, this wasn't too long ago. What are we talking about for this one? So for the ninth uh, spot in our top 10 episode list here, we are going to be uh, doing some trivia on El Chupacabra. <laughs> I'm just going to grab the, uh, the point tally <gasps> sheet here. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I'm shooting blind, I guess. Shooting blind. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Okay. So, of course, I mean, you guys all remember El Chupacabra. So one of the most, <laughs> one of the most iconic cryptids, really. I mean, Loch Ness, El Chupa. Thunderbirds, like they're all up there. Mothman, Jersey mm-hmm. Devil, like one of the most famous, well-known people who aren't into cryptozoology will know of El Chupacabra. Yes, the goat-sucking nightmare. There you go. Uh-huh. So you actually, uh, so this scale of questions here, one to 10, goes from easy to hard, I think. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's a few sort of like jumping around in between, but you've Just... actually already sort of gotten part of a point on this first question here. Sweet. Starting okay. off easy. So for everyone listening out there. What does, this is a two-part question here, so with a bonus, I guess. What does El Chupacabra translate to directly and name three other animals it seems to enjoy killing? Well, I the direct translation? El Chupacabra. The, is it literally the goat sucker? It is. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. But it's not only goats. There seems to be, I would say dogs is a safe bet. Yep, that was one. Dogs. Uh, pigs? Yeah. Sheep? Or llamas? Uh, technically, neither of those were listed. Uh, I'll give you one more cows? try. Cows? Cows. Okay. All right. I'll give you two points for that first one. Easy peasy. We're easing it. Two points. <laughs> I'll take it. Right. Okay. <laughs> question number two. The El Chupacabra phenomena seems very modern, but could, could in fact go back much further. When did the El Chupacabra phenomena really take off? Which decade did it take off? I think I'm pretty sure it was the 90s because there was some movie that came out too, wasn't there? Ding, ding, ding. It's like 95 or 96? The 1990s. Boom. Correct. Sweet. (laughs) For a follow-up bonus point, there was an alternate date uh, as a possible first Chupacabra encounter. So... 
When was the first possible El Chupacabra attack recorded? Was it A, 1971, B, 1993, C, 1540, or D, 1955? I'm D. Eh. Oh. It was C, 1540. What? Where there was, I don't actually have the name pulled up here, one no of the way. early Spanish uh, conquistadors claimed to have some of his... Uh, Crazy. Livestock for his soldiers attacked by an unknown creature. Cortez or... Yeah, something like that. Around 1540. Ah. So we got one one possible point there. And one X. Okay. You ready for number three? Um, yes. Kind of, sort of. Sure. I'll take it. Okay. Question number three. We all know that El Chupacabra is an oddly shaped creature, resembling several different animals all at once. What two living things were most prominently used to describe the physical abilities of El Chupacabra? The physical... Oh! I'm going to say one is like the proboscis thing, like the sucking appendage. That's like kind of like a fly or like a mosquito. You got one. I'm going to say maybe kangaroo. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, the feet. You got it. Kangaroo, because it had these very powerful legs for jumping ability and a lot of the stories were basically it leaping from the ground directly onto roofs you know Mm -hmm. in upwards of 10 feet plus jump now that i think about it that really makes sense because it's like if you think don't think mammal don't think kangaroo think grasshopper yeah right instead and then it makes more sense i guess it's because the reason they would they said kangaroo is because it seemed to be bipedal whereas a grasshopper is kind of like all fours jumping like laterally mm-hmm. whereas this was like seemed to be a bipedal animal which is again going back to the original episode you guys should listen if you haven't the idea of mangy coyotes and stuff being yeah. proposed doesn't necessarily add up to people claiming to see things walking around on two legs and because popping. that's exactly yeah. not a thing unless mm-hmm. there's some sort of mutated kangaroo in puerto rico <laughs> maybe it was an owl <laughs> could have been an owl shout out to joe okay question number four Before El Chupacabra was spotted in Puerto Rico, the creature was reported long before in a remote area of which country? Oh, uh, the U.S.? No? Okay. Okay, there was a bonus point for that too. Yeah. Do you want to just try one more time? I'll give you a hint. It's a South American country. Hmm... Chile? You got it. <laughs> Chile. And specifically the Chilean highlands. Right. So, okay. That sounds vaguely familiar. I might familiar. give you like a half a point there. It's kind of coming back. Yeah. So basically. But a the, point five. The struggle. <laughs> the, yeah, you get a point five. The struggle though with that, of course, was the idea that the Chilean highlands is one of the most uh, similar terrains on earth to Mars. And there's not a lot of things to eat and live off of out there. Hmm. But of course, this creature is... Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know exactly what it's feeding off of, per oh. se, other than the the violent attacks. Well, exactly, the what? blood-sucking aspect. But right. But it makes sense. Ch- like, Chilean highlands, like, if it's from out of this world, <laughs> land mm. on a mountaintop, you know? That's kind of like Mars. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that was number, uh, so yeah, that was number four. Okay. Okay, we're halfway through here, and you're actually doing mm. really well. Not struggling too hard yet. So we're getting into some of the nitty-gritty here. So, attacks... All right. Attacks from El Chupacabra are very, very strange. And when investigated, it was discovered that the creature seems to target specific areas. Where exactly does El Chupacabra typically attack on the body? 
Think back to one of your earlier answers. Yeah, the physical ability. I feel like it's the neck, but I feel like the back of the neck? <laughs> Ding, yeah. Yeah? Ding. The front of the neck? The, the back, back of the neck. Of the neck. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right. I feel like there was that one attack, too. I'm trying to, like, some woman was clawed or something. Yeah, she was scraped up on her mm-hmm. arms and stuff. It was uh, one of the, a young girl, I believe it was. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, there was, that was in the 70s, I think. In the 70s? I yeah. thought this was a 90s thing. <laughs> oh, well, we talked okay. about accounts from all from over earlier, the place. Hey? Yeah. But uh, I will give you that. It was on the back of the neck because it seemed to be using this, yeah, the proboscis-like blood-sucking tube to uh, get right in there. <laughs> nice little blood straw. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> this one's a little harder. I'd like to think that it is anyway. Number six. What unusual aspect was discovered about the bodies of El Chupacabra victims? Unusual aspects. Well, they were bloodless. I'll give you a, like a half point, but that's not what I was looking for. There was one really specific. Obviously, that's goes the thing's a blood sucker, so we know that. What about, but there was really specific, what strange about, aspect. The what bodies. about the like goo, like the saliva on them? No. And, what is okay. it? What is it? They did not go into rigor mortis. Oh. Uh, if oh. you recall. <laughs> that makes sense. Come on. Give me a quarter All point right. at least. I'll give you a half point there. <laughs> rigor Fine. mortis. Oh, what am I, a coroner? <laughs> is that actually true? Can you, like, do you, you can't get any of that without, I mean, we don't know if they were entirely drained of blood. I mean, that's just how the moniker goes, right? Like nobody actually like looked to see if there was zero red blood cells left in any of these animals. That didn't happen. Just any blood at all. It was yeah. clearly well, just... at plasma, any of that, right? Right. Like red blood cells are just a part of blood. Would just need to be drained of blood. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to be drained of all your blood. You would. And for me, when I heard that too, it's almost like the classic like urban legend where it's like, right. you know, you never know how accurate that really is. Was there, like, we don't have coroner reports, right, from all of these attacks. Very true. That would be nice. If anyone has those, just send them our way. <laughs> we only had a few. Like, we had the ones from, from specifically just from veterinarians. Uh, yes, yeah, some there of was, the earlier attacks, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll, it was otherwise. from cats. Yeah, mm-hmm. cats. Number seven. Ready? Mm-hmm. What other paranormal phenomena has been linked or associated with El Chupacabra? Bonus point if you can state the event itself. I'm what gonna... other paranormal phenomena has I'm... been linked or associated with El Chupacabra? I, I feel like it's UFOs. Ding. Yeah. So that's part of it. And so Bonus was... point for the event itself associated with El Chupa that was really specific. And this was like in Mexico or? In Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico. That's a big hint, by the way. The Anyone Puerto Rican listening? Day Parade? <laughs> <laughs> we just want to get home and unwind. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know? Yeah. So... Correct on the UFOs, so ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And then the bonus point was the 1975 MOCA attacks in Puerto Rico, where there was Mocha. vampire-like attacks on livestock, very similar to El Chupa attacks, okay. in direct association with UFO sightings over the city. Hmm. Yeah. MOCA. Yeah. Okay. MOCA vampire attacks. Interesting. All right. Okay. Forgot that one. You got one point there. I'm still I'll passing though, right? Oh, God, yeah. You're, you're murdering me right now. <laughs> <laughs> this one's funny. I think this is this was this was my favorite one to come up with. All right. I think you'll probably nail it, but we'll see. 
Okay, everyone listening, this is a fun one. So number eight, the bodies of all kinds of animals have been misidentified in the search of El Chupacabra. Which of the following is not one of those misidentified animals? Mm. A, a coyote. B, an alligator. C, a raccoon. D, a fish. Or E, a dog. Uh, I'm going to say the raccoon. Really? All of these animals have been identified as potentially chupacabra bodies except for alligator. Literally, there's been a, a large fish body that was brought in and analyzed as a potentially a, a chupacabra body, a mutilated guess, chupacabra body. Yeah, alligator is the most obvious, but I was kind of thinking, I was like, well, but if you had like a weirdly decomposed... I, I know, right? That's why I thought it would throw you off. I thought the alligator was what was going to... Th- or the fish was going to throw the you fish. off. fish. <laughs> well, I was thinking right? like, there's a lot of weird fish out there. I know, but it's not a, you know, a, a limbed creature. True. That lives on land. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right? like, bizarre. Yeah, and that was literally one of the ones that was brought forward. I want to see what that fish looks like. I know, like. right? <laughs> okay, so alligator was the answer for that. D, alligator. Ah, All right. Okay, number nine. So there are many crazy theories on El Chupacabra, which makes it hard to tell what's what. So which of the following is not one of those theories? So I'm going to list some. Okay. Is it A, El Chupacabra is some kind of ancient gargoyle? B, El Chupacabra is actually a pack of wild dogs, which is to blame for the attacks. Mm -hmm. C, El Chupacabra is some kind of mutated subterranean lizard. D, El Chupacabra is actually a human cult perpetrating the attacks. Or E, El Chupacabra is a mutated vampire bat. Oh. You want me to to read them again? I feel like it's maybe the cult. That's not one of them? No? Ugh. I guess that's pretty- so all of these have been proposed as possible explanations for El Chupacabra. The one that I hadn't seen is El Chupacabra is some kind of mutated subterranean lizard creature. Okay. So it doesn't appear to be one of the hollow earth lizards. I feel like someone somewhere out there in the probably world has, has probably said that. Probably. But it didn't come up in our research and it wasn't in our notes. So I'm counting that as not okay. a theory. UFOs is you. definitely a theory. Gargoyles came up. We talked about yeah, gargoyles, gargoyles as a theory. Yeah. Pack of Wild Dogs was one of the main ones that police said when they were investigating the attacks. Mm. And the vampire bat was proposed by pretty much everyone. They don't kill their victims. They lick a very small amount of blood. Most of the time, the horses right. and cows that experience it don't even know that they're there. No. So probably Great not Great way to hand around some diseases, though. <laughs> Indeed it is. Mm-hmm. This time, especially right now, well, eh? That was really fun. I got one more. You got one more? Number 10. That was number oh, 9. We got one nine? more. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh. One more chance for me to redeem myself. Okay. <laughs> this one's fun. Kind of different, too. So this is a paragraph. You got to kind of pick out what's wrong. Mm, so what? Okay. pick out what is incorrect about this El Chupacabra description. Mm. El Chupacabra is an unidentified creature standing bipedally two to six feet tall with large spines down its back, gray in color with small beady red eyes. El Chupacabra is said to suck its victim's blood through its lipless mouth using an insect-like proboscis, completely draining its victims of blood. Although none have been captured, witnesses suggest that it resembles a gray alien-like creature. Okay. You want me to read that one more time? Well... There's one glaringly incorrect 
aspect of I'm this description. Blood or not bloodless, sorry, the lipless mouth. Like it's not a mouth though. That's incorrect, in my opinion. Um, okay, you actually that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. It's not what I it's not the correct answer, but it's actually a, a, a I feel good like the point. size is off too. Two to six feet. Two? Yeah, it's two a small. feet. That's it, yeah, that's the range. So right. That is correct. That's correct. The color. Give it one more try. Is, uh, what were the spikes again? Would you describe those? Let <laughs> me to read this one more time, yeah. and then you can just guess. El chupacabra is an unidentified creature standing bipedally two to six feet tall, with large spines down its back. It's gray in color with small, beady red eyes. El chupacabra well, is said to suck. I thought its they were big blood. red eyes. Is that kind of the glaringly obvious one? I'm not giving you that, but that is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's correct. And what? Yeah. Well, you've read that so fast. I'm like, well, it only okay, took you twelve tries. Going. 12 tries. Okay, I'll give you a half point. Okay. If you're very lucky to get a half point. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Well, I feel we, like I was pretty generous. <laughs> well, we started this we started this question I think on the on the 15th. It's now June. So. Hmm. <laughs> Alrighty there. <laughs> Buddy boy. Uh, I'm giving you a point 0.5. So, out of a possible 2 4 6 8 9 10 11 12 13 amber Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine and a half <laughs> out of 13. <laughs> Not bad. You crushed me. Not bad. What'd you get again? You got like 12 out of 17? I got 12 out of 17. That's not bad. Now, obviously, We're these aren't like exactly the same uh, scoring uh, <laughs> levels here. So we haven't really dialed it's, in this uh, this trivia exactly how it's going to be per se. It's reminds me of Beach Day episode of The Office oh where it's like, God. well, you gave me a thumbs up. You gave me a smile. Or, like, I don't know how to, how do you translate these? <laughs> this was honestly, I just wanted to sort of test the waters to yeah. see where we stood with remembering stuff. And I think I, we did slightly better than expected. I'm impressed. Honestly. I didn't. I, we even kind of sat down and immediately were like, wait a second, should we have done some review? Yeah, we no. looked at each other. We're like, uh. <laughs> I think it's better going in blind, though. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we hope you guys, you know, followed along and, and we're curious to see how you did. You probably crushed both of us, to be honest. Exactly. And uh, so send send in, I mean, even if you just, you don't have to take a picture or whatever. We're just curious if you followed along. I mean, send us a message or, you know, shoot us a, shoot us a picture, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And uh, this is something we're, we're going to keep doing, like we said. So we're going to work our way up to number one. Exactly. So we'll do two episodes per release. Yeah. And this is all kind of like something we dreamed up uh, in sort of like conjunction to our May Patreon anniversary. Uh, we actually also have some really fun, like new weird goodies coming down the way. We do, yeah. <laughs> and uh, some other fun stuff. So we're going to do part of these on our regular feed. We're going to do some of them on our Patreon feed for everyone. And so you can go and you can check out our awesome little community and all the fun perks and everything there. Totally. But uh, yeah, until until then, I guess. Hey, Andrew, anything else you want to throw in before we wrap it up? I think that's it. Honestly, I'm just I just can't wait to see how much more people know than us. Mm-hmm. So until next time, on into the portal. Your gateway to the bazaar.
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.